Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody that's right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Call the ticket quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No wonder he's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get him by the way. Hello and welcome to episode 184 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, today joined by Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Jack Harper. Not a great week for me, but hopefully we'll make it as good of a podcast as possible. <laughs> I've got my chirpiest voice on, I've got a feature to bring back for the intro, I've got some okay news of the week, and we've got some reasonably breaking news as far as the pod's gone recently with uh, Man City's ban being overturned. So we've had a little late reshuffle. And we'll get into that later. Anyway, how is everyone doing? Probably better than you. I am great. (laughs) Hard day at work, Alex? It was indeed, but I was floating into that office today. (laughs) Floating? Floating. It's been in eighth place, I suppose, but we'll... uh, (laughs) Anyway, news of the week. And then also, AJ, I think... um, you could consider this to be maybe uh, your episode today. So, do you know what we're bringing back? Hypotheticals for AJ. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got that to get into also. We'll get straight into it, news of the week. A Washington man has filed 44 trademark claims covering potential new names for the Washington Redskins. I don't know if anyone's seen the news here. They have finally agreed after yeah. years and years to change their name. This man got in there very quick, filed 44 trademark claims, and he's hoping to make a fortune with whatever one they do go with. He could nice. have nailed that, because they can only have so many that they're really going to go with. Essentially, everyone that's been mentioned, he's been getting in on. From what I gather, he's been doing it over the years to try and get in there very early. Head of the curve, I like it. Yeah. So this is like uh, me the more laid back approach of that woman that was booking flights and banking on them being cancelled that we had <laughs> she was a genius uh, man detained by police after biting seagull who wanted his McDonald's meal <laughs> but I, I don't understand that because seagulls they need to be checked they need to have their seagull privilege checked because they're <laughs> bastards if, he'd, if, yeah. if he'd been in like the drive through if he'd been one of them people that queued up for almost like years and years to get that McDonald's (laughs) getting a bit of crackle from one of you I'm not sure which one of you it is I um, I, I've seen some horrendous like more than one um, more than one video at the moment some horrendous videos of seagulls at the moment like eating like a dead rabbit whole (laughs) yeah I think I saw a video like that honestly I knew they were like literally like absolutely savage 
what they could eat, but I didn't realize. And then it was the fact that it like it swallowed this thing whole and then flew off, and it like doubled its body weight. Probably, I was just <laughs> like, oh god. We could have a war on our hands like the emus. We could, <laughs> we could be ready for get ready for a scrap, lads. Um, pizza shop owner threw scalding hot pizzas like frisbees at machete carrying attempted robber. Police say. <laughs> Doesn't say the robber got away with anything either, so obviously it works. <laughs> Got that cheese stuck to the roof of your mouth before. Imagine that on your face. He's lactose intolerant, so he's just terrified <laughs> yeah. to get out of there. They could be lethal, really. Um, this is quite a sad uh, headline, but it fits perfectly with the kind of headlines we get here. English man on holiday, his first escape since lockdown in the UK, falls off seventh floor balcony and lands on a Spaniard, killing both of them instantly. <laughs> Isn't that a lyric in the Atlantis Morissette song? Don't <laughs> get me started on that song because I listened to it again yesterday and it still riles me. A bloke hurtling to the floor in a burning plane to her fancy and a bloke who happens to have a husband. Uh, to have a <laughs> wife, sorry. A no smoking sign on your cigarette break. <laughs> a, bloke, a bloke has died in an aeroplane, for God's sake. Probably not on his own. She's awful. Um, Shoplifter got himself arrested trying to smuggle drugs in Kinder Egg containers into jail. Jesus. So anything to go with what I'm expecting, you probably wouldn't want to eat from those afterwards. I, I'd feel like <laughs> the Kinder Egg would be not resembling a Kinder Egg. No. That would be melted. Um, if that's in America, they've probably just got an issue with the Kinder Egg element <laughs> rather than the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> that's why he was arrested. <laughs> um, I hope you weren't trying to sneak a toy in there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sprinter Noah Lyles briefly breaks Usain Bolt's 200-meter record, then discovers he only ran 185 meters. <laughs> <laughs> it's all null and void uh, anyway. Britain has already got that record. Yeah. Does he not know? I think that was 100 meters, though, so that's why he went for a different one, maybe. Silly me, I assume she had both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, New Jersey suspends betting on Ukrainian table tennis after match-fixing alerts. (laughs) If you're a bookies and you suddenly see like 20 bets come through on the Ukrainian table tennis, you probably can hedge your bets. There's something fishy going on. I see some funny Um, stories. I I say funny stories, but like lads our age that are addicted to betting. And someone's like stuck. Right next to those hilarious stories about the heroin addicts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just file it into the same genre. But literally, they'll stick like five grand on some like Uzbekistan under 16s game on Betfred. I just don't. How could you we bring We did a pod on that? this before, I think, because I bet on um, who was going to be eliminated next on the Danish Strictly. <laughs> It was on the Did you win? Play. No. Which was awful as well, because I'm pretty sure I just backed whoever was odds on. So <laughs> I really have been hustled. Um, <laughs> 40,000 pounds of pork roasted when Big Rig catches fire. <laughs> um, Russian ice cream in gay propaganda row. I included this because you see things like this before with people saying about we don't want like these things discussed at an early age of people being gay if an ice cream advert is what you're blaming for turning your kid gay it probably wasn't the ice cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely 
man facing a dozen charges for doing donuts in a cemetery. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like something out of a film. <laughs> Time and place. The height uh, of disrespect. <laughs> Oregon man driving stolen car crashes into woman driving another stolen car. I'm sure we've had that one. It's or, or I'm, we've probably had similar. Or if I've seen it on Twitter or something like that. Must I hope they fell in love and lived happily ever after. Like, I've, I've definitely, definitely heard that one before. I'm sure of it. Fake doctor arrested for giving free breast exams. <laughs> Do you have that federal booby inspector card? There used to be them awful T-shirts, didn't there? I've forgotten what even the place was called. There used to be the little shops that would pop up in town that would be around for like three months. And you'd have T-shirts like front bottom inspector. Quite like that. that. <laughs> yeah. um, Still more of a real doctor than that Sikora that keeps doing the fucking rounds. <laughs> Um, fish with human-like teeth and lips found in Malaysia. Someone's got very freaky <laughs> with a fish. Um, Lidl very sorry after mum finds lizard head in vegan bolognese sauce. <laughs> so I, like, I saw this headline. I enjoyed that they had to specify it as a vegan one. Yeah, we like uh, like if you found the lizard one in a normal bolognese, you'd be like, oh, "Hey, look, it's bolognese. <laughs> I eat meat. It's fine." <laughs> One for Alex. A Japanese man claims to have seen Godzilla. No way. <laughs> there you go. And um, Imagine if you were just talking the, about the film. It's the most mundane headline ever. <laughs> <laughs> that, it'd be like that troll of the uh, <laughs> today. That yeah. was excellent trolling. <laughs> um, and finally, new species of walking sharks discovered in Australia. Fucking do they walk? Do they walk in the water? Or do they walk on that? I don't know. It says new species, so that suggests that there's other yeah, that exist already. <laughs> yeah, what? I can't <laughs> wait for the Australian news headlines for that. Like the the news presenters over there. Jesus. I feel like this was a mistake because it has mellowed me out actually. Before we get to the North London derby, so I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. Hypothetical for AJ. Then you ready, AJ? I am. As ready. always, first thing that comes to your head with these, please. It gets messy when you think about them because it adds about another 20 minutes onto the podcast. <laughs> first things first, what weird thing would you make socially acceptable if you could? Uh, um, um, I've, I've not a clue. <laughs> that is, that's, that's quite a broad answer. That's uh, kind of the point. I had images of him panicking and saying, like, incest or something. <laughs> <laughs> the panic button. Oh, fuck. What have I done? <laughs> oh, God. I think for Alex, it would be talking loudly at the cinema. Absolutely not. Absolutely. I, have, I have witnessed this. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I think we all have. I remember have. going with you guys and sit next to AJ and he was literally talking so loud. I was like, does he usually do this? It's like he has a megaphone with him. Yeah. So was I. I I wasn't even with you. I was in a different screen. (laughs) (laughs) I may may have a loud voice, but when the film starts, I'm quiet. There's maybe a bit of overexcitement. I can't remember what film that was now. You say it like it was just a once. (laughs) If it was just a once, I know what you're thinking of. We won't say your joke that you said because... Particularly sensitive, so we'll continue. No. If, if humans lost the ability to see all colour except one, which colour would you want to survive? Red. 
Hmm. So you just everything would be red. Yes. You don't want to Everyone fucking... be raging yeah. all the time. <laughs> sure, I want to go for like a neutral tone. More like everything would be kind of grayscale, and then red exists. So it's basically Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like it to be yellow. Nice bright yellow. Alex, yeah. this one actually suits you perfectly. If you were dictator of a small country, what crazy dictator things would you do? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, we are getting a do- so dangerous dictator. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I would... I would uh, enforce a compulsory... <laughs> A compulsory exercise regime for the entire nation. Oof. Won't be living where you are. Get yourself out running at six o'clock every morning. Oh, I was going to say, it'd be fine if it was just... Because then everyone would be doing it. It'd be fine if it was like a little, like, Joe Weeks thing, but he'll have everyone in a lake first thing in the morning every day. <laughs> Pretty much. And then, and then <laughs> he'll complain that they're in his lake. Yeah, not enough room in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> People um, are bumping into each other. <laughs> I like swimming into fat people. Oh, fuck's sake, what have I done? If you were forced into, gladi- into gladiatorial combat, but could only choose a weapon that isn't typically considered a weapon, what non-conventional weapon would you choose? Ooh. Oh, I like this one. Where are you getting these from? I'll because I might need them for future podcasts. Uh, I would go with. I would go with a. Ah, I'd go with a teacup. <laughs> what? That is pathetic. Do you have a death have wish? Seen, you have you want seen, to die? Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Riddick? The Chronicles of Riddick. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, horrific. No, I've never seen that. There is a very good scene where he does kill somebody with his teacup. But you're not Vin Diesel. (laughs) (laughs) Vin Diesel is a critic, but if I'm going to go in a gladiator ring, I'd rather be the guy who kills somebody with a teacup than the guy who, I don't know. It's quite... quite I wouldn't have allowed you to cop out with something like a cricket bat. A teacup. Well, it's <laughs> Meyer was a rolling pin, and that's even better than a teacup. They're not. They're convention. Well, they're not conventional weapons, but they're still. I, I was. I was going wider. A rolling pin. But yeah, you've seen that used in like comedy, comedy action sketches and stuff before. Anything well, in the cases you've seen a teacup used. Anything. What about a cricket stump? Start staking people. I mean, that, that's an improvement. Killing yeah. people with your stump. Or just a cricket ball. Just a cricket ball. You just start running around and lashing at people. You're, you're going to lose that ball pretty though, quick. Each time you've used it. <laughs> Alex, if you worked in the entertainment industry and had a pseudonym, what would your alias be? Say that again. Sorry, I missed that. You cracked out a bit. If you worked in the entertainment industry and had a pseudonym, what would your alias be? What would your fake name be? Uh, can you give me an example of somebody that's got one already? Give me an example. Frankenstein. Hey, eh? that's John a strange Legend. go-to. 
Yeah, that that was that was a pseudonym, wasn't it? It was a woman who wrote it. She wrote it under a pseudonym. John Legend, Alex. Yeah, John. that was a strange go-to though. <laughs> That's the only one I could, just had it in my head. I thought, oh yeah, Frankenstein's had a blood. <laughs> so I just felt just, it was right. Essentially, Alex, like, sta- like a stage name. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to think of one. Um, uh, I feel like they, they, a lot more I, fun in my they normally, do, they <laughs> tend to, do they normally tend to like play on their own names a little bit? Just can be anything. No. So you can't be called J.A.? No. I feel like I'm AJ sticking is, with, is I'm sticking is, with Dutch Schultz. I've always quite liked the name Alfonso. <laughs> you have a surname there? Or I can see it. Is it going Brazilian? <laughs> I think we leave him with one name, like Cher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just Alfonso. What would the stage... Tr- Alex Alfonso. has got a Brazilian on the podcast that are real people in. <laughs> only two left what two hour chunk of history would you want a video of if you could have a video of any point in history that's an excellent Uh, question oh to choose to choose let's go with let's go with tell you what let's go the final final few hours of the um, of the siege of Berlin and the end of World War Two, talking okay. bunker shots, the Russians making the final grab, all of that. So I bet that was intense. I find that really weird because in my head I was thinking footage of Hitler killing himself, so we could actually prove that it happened. So that's so odd. The first one in my head was Julius Caesar getting stabbed in the back. I'd rather something that something that we don't have any footage of as it is. Yeah, but there's that's... that conspiracy that Hitler ran off to Argentina, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like, I, I like what Byron's saying though in terms of Julius Caesar being stabbed, like something that there is like absolutely no footage of. Like you could go for like the um, the uh, last stand at Thermopylae with the three hundred, see um, see them at the, to the last man, um, mm. and go even further back, like the Battle of Argincourt with the French, um, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, things like that. That'd be awesome. Pretty much any any anywhere where there's violence in history, I'd be interested. Well, I've got one final one for you, AJ. We'll see how honest you are here. Um, if your hands were frozen in one position or gesture, what position would you want them stuck in, and why would it be a loose fit? Blimey. It would be the peace sign, of course. The peace sign, definitely. Well, it's just not going to be very helpful. You could probably just about get it through there. <laughs> work with what you got <laughs> I didn't say how narrow the peace sign was alright we'll carry on we'll carry on so. let me tell you I've spent that entire segment uh, thinking of Byron seeing the world as, through uh, a yellow lens and just thinking that's basically what Michael Jordan <laughs> just start chuckling to myself alright good David have some damn respect <laughs> North London Derby then. I did message Alex earlier to ask how to do this and it turns out I didn't like his idea, so I'll go with my original one. <laughs> what was wrong with I, I just honest. think we should just try I think we should just well, try and roll through Alex the game. wanted us to go minute by minute play by play going through the uh, game when oh no. I would rather be just kind of get off my chest at once. So essentially Alex, do you uh, want to talk about it first or do you want me to talk about it first? 
Go on, you go ahead. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to go? I feel you could roll me up. No, <laughs> he could. It's all right. Go I don't. I don't want to. Getting wound up, upsetting. <laughs> well, it was a uh, textbook textbook Mourinho shithouse performance from start to finish. Um, in all honesty, the better team on the field were Arsenal from, uh, well, clearly from how they played perspective. But at the end of the day, uh, Mourinho went out with the game plan that exploited vulnerabilities that we know Arsenal have. And it was a textbook, textbook uh, rollover of them, really. Um, obviously, Lacazette's goal, can't deny, there's not much you can do about that. Absolutely stunning. Um, but the slip up at the back um, with uh, David Luiz making the mistake, I mean... It wasn't David Luiz that made a mistake, but carry on. Oh, it's debatable. Um, but, it, oh, yeah, it, he was part of the mistake, part of the mistake, Um but I don't think um, I don't think there was anything overly controversial in the match at all. Um, I thought, uh, like, definitely without going any further, I really it was probably the first game that I watched that I really felt um, that the crowd, not like a real crowd, was missed. Like, mm. it, not having Anna Derby was quite I missed that quite a lot. Um, yeah. But I thought Tottenham as a whole. Um, that's, I feel like that's the most solid that we've looked at the back with Sanchez and Alderweireld partnered up at the back. Um, Aurier's still a massive liability. Um, but I'm just in respect, he's had a bad day. <laughs> but he didn't he, know that at the time. <laughs> but he, you know, Aurier had one of his better games, but in nowhere am I saying that was like, like he, he performed well still. Um, you know, he took the ball at the pitch a little bit more. Um, he was a little bit more... He was able to get the ball off the floor, which is a first. Um, <laughs> two dangerous crosses here and there. But defensively at the back, um, he was a liability. Anytime that ball went along that side, it was always risk. I can kind of see the thinking behind having him playing alongside with Suzoko because they do have quite a nice bit of link-up. But I just don't agree. Like They've both got a mistake in them easily. And they both kind of offer the same thing. And having that overly dominance or trait of having the ability to just pick up the ball and drag it forward in a strong, strong way, I, I just don't see them both working. Like, that side is always going to be a massive liability. Kane looked um, a bit more with it. He was a little bit more creative, held at the play a bit more creatively here and there, um, but still ultimately wasn't obviously hitting on target for us and wasn't showing the lethality that we know we've got in him. Uh, Lacelso again a little bit better um, was a little bit probably one of the most fiery players on the pitch from it being effectively a North London derby um, but again still needed to be a little bit well, to say a little bit needs to be a lot better from a creative perspective because effectively just knocking the long ball up top was pretty much all we had in the locker just stretching your back four and hoping that they make a mistake on that back line Um Thor Winks had a respectable game. Um, I don't think he did. I don't think I, there was nothing wrong with, like, if he had a few, you know, questions, like, from a booking perspective, I think the decisions were correct. There was nothing wrong with him still being on the pitch at all. Um, but, you know, I, I, overall for me, I just think Marino went out with a really nice, smooth game plan and it just kind of paid off. I think there was an element of luck to it on our part. 
um, with Arsenal making the mistake. But I'm not going to overly, you know, I'm not going to chant from the hills to top. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's very hard to walk away with the Northland derby win. But I, um, I still think that it's fairly obvious where the problems are at the moment. I mean, there was a time when like, we dominated possession a fair amount again. And I think initially when I was watching it, I thought that Arsenal know that they can let us have quite a bit of possession because we've proven that we can have it and do absolutely nothing with it. Um, but ultimately, the counter-attacking side of things did kind of pull it, like work itself out for us. But I think um, the talking points really are going to come from when Luke gets going. <laughs> it was quite a bit like it was. It, it just it was a job done performance from my perspective. I, I'm not, I, I haven't really got too much to rage about. Well, it works. You did annoy me. Uh-huh. <laughs> you were you were half with audio's crackling, which was the the, the top off of that. It, I mean, if, if can, we were face to face here, I can hear the, the best road distance. So I, I, I can hear the crackling, so I'm pretty sure it's Jack with his popcorn. I'm literally I'm sat with my headphones held above my head for the whole I mean, entirety. <laughs> it cannot bad. be me. First, first it thing, cannot. first things first. You said about creativity. We lost to a team yesterday whose joint highest scorer in June was Thomas Soucek. <laughs> and until we, um, yesterday, I hadn't had a shot on target in July, so there we go. I didn't say we were overly creative. I said we were a bit more creative. Like, let me stress, like when I say Lo Celso and Aurier had a bit of a better game, I'm not saying we were great at all. Because we were the bars already pretty low, is what you're saying. But we, there was a bit more life in them. Um, like that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, um, I'm banking on that you were trying to wind me up saying about Winks because the bloke could have been sent off about three times. <laughs> I don't see how you can say that, but well, he committed eight fouls before he was even booked. I feel like I feel like your emotions stepping over there more than Pepe anything was else. Booked for far less, so there we go. I feel like you're. Uh, your emotions clouding your logical judgment hey, when it comes to do anything. You speak. Are you going to let me speak? Go on. Go on. Jesus H. <laughs> I mean, I wrote my notes yesterday, which I don't tend to do. So they're a lot more emotional than they usually are. I've actually looked at them today thinking I might be a bit harsh, but then <laughs> I've remembered the game and obviously not. First things first. I mean, they say every time Spurs play that Fergie used to tell his players it's only Spurs. <laughs> I would put money down that Jose sits down and tells his teams it's only Arsenal because no matter what team is out on the pitch, no matter how the game goes, if you were to tell me yesterday Kane isn't going to score, halfway through the second half we'd had 81% of the ball. And yet I still could have told you what the result was going to be. (laughs) It's... I mean... He doesn't have much to work with, Arteta, defensively. I can understand why he's trying to play five at the back, because his thinking is that he doesn't have two good centre-backs good enough to play a four at the back. But the issue is, it's, it's like the football equivalent of too many, too many cooks. You're just mm. adding shot on top of shot. If Kalasanac <laughs> could defend our goal like he defended Ozil, we'd be golden. But the issue <laughs> is, he is just garbage. As a manager, how can you account for your centre-back not being able to make a five-yard pass? Let alone the fact, why is he going backwards? He has Tierney in open space. Him and Bellerin between them 
go backwards more more than anything I've ever seen. It is ridiculous. And the the thing with if I if we'd lost to Wolves, I went into the game expecting that to happen, and I couldn't have complained too much because they're a good team. If we'd lost to Leicester, I couldn't have complained too much because at this stage they're a better team. The issue is we've lost to Brighton. Shit, we've lost to Spurs. Beyond words, they're Brighton level at this stage. <laughs> if you look at the way that both teams play, we would be better off with a back three of Monreal, Koscielny, and Mertesacker at this stage. And you think of the players that we've let go in the past. Well, Mertesacker was two seasons ago. Koscielny and Monreal, we let go going into this season. It's actually got worse. Mm. It's for me if the thing that irks me is when you're going to see things in the training ground you're going to see things from on the dressing room imagine you're a Bamiyang who praise him when he does well he should have a look at himself in the mirror after that game yesterday because for the second year in a row we've gone away to Spurs he's had a game on a plate and for one he's missed the ball which I can't even put into words the second one <laughs> Why he's blasting it full power. He did the exact same against Brighton, actually, where he did it from that exact position at the bar. You don't need to do that. You can just put it across the keeper or just take a tiny bit off the ball. There's no need to have the net coming off the hinges. It's So he can have a look at himself. But if you imagine him or if you go in a last, uh, last night's game, Lacazette, how do you score a goal like that and then you turn around and see that behind you? Mm. Two minutes having past I'd not finish celebrating the goal and then to sit in the changing room after and you're going to see you're going to look at the likes of Louise, Mustafi Kalasinac, how do you talk to them after that? How do you look at them and not just say what the fuck is wrong with you? It is, <laughs> I don't know how you can be in the same place as them after that No, because I can't imagine when Lovren makes a mistake Van Dijk is going and Dapping him up after the game and saying, oh, that was unlucky, wasn't it? There's players in this team, and there aren't that many great players in the team, but it shouldn't be a team at that stage of the game. You shouldn't take a collective responsibility. You should be looking at that deadwood in there and pointing the finger at them. I said to TK when I spoke to him Saturday, there was a clip during the Wolves game where Tierney looks across the defence and you can quite clearly see him saying to him, what are you doing? <laughs> And so I don't understand what happens here. Bellerin didn't have that bad of a game yesterday in terms of how he is, but he still goes backwards every time. Him and Pepe just doesn't work because the, the situation that we're playing, Pepe is more of an inside forward rather than someone that's going to have the touchline. And you can see that he was better off when he was able to go through the middle during this game, which is what the rumour was how he was going to play. But having him on the touchline can only work then if he gets the ball fed in front of him. Him having the ball fed to his feet, they having to stop, turn. When you're isolated like that, all it takes is two players to get on them, and it instantly was. Um, I'm not, who disperses our left back yesterday? Ben Davis. Left back. Ben, ben Davis. Davis. Ben Davis. Okay, yeah, Ben Davis, and then Winks was coming across, and the two of them would double up whenever Pepe got it near the touchline, and he wasn't able to do anything because he didn't have Bellerin overlapping him. The midfield actually yesterday I thought was our best our best point because Sabios looked golden 
and I've actually got a point to ask about him afterwards. Shaka looked like I couldn't point out anything that he did wrong yesterday, which which I could say for most since the restart. It might be that the defenders are worse and they're taking the shine off, but <laughs> a lot of it is we were saying before it shouldn't the blame shouldn't be on all the defenders because the midfield's been bad enough, so it's just kind of leaking through. That that's not the case. When you look at the expected goals, when you look at against Arsenal, and there was a bit of luck before the break, but Arsenal's conceded is actually averages above the XG, which people go on about for a lot of the time, especially against the traditional top six clubs where this is going to happen. That Spurs had absolutely no right to get anything from the game yesterday. Mm. They had a couple of chances, uh, I, mostly I, I, went. I, I disagree with that there because we effectively went out with a game plan to do exactly what we did and it pulled off. The game plan was to keep it tight and bank on Arsenal playing themselves essentially you could yeah, see it, that what's yeah i'm that? not saying it didn't but i'm saying from that point of view arsenal cost themselves the game spurs didn't play well they they seemed to click into gear spurs sun seemed unplayable yesterday and i don't <laughs> think he did that much in particular other than being direct no, he, hey, didn't, he, he didn't he didn't he didn't do that much i'd agree he was he was in a few of the right places at the right so, time and he I'm stretched not saying the defense he always looks dangerous when he's running towards your guys. I'll I'm tell not you, who, saying anything you know, negative about him. I'm saying that Jose's yeah, no, no, no. setup was: look, we're going to keep it tight, and then we're going to make the most of what we get. If if they'd come out with a draw yesterday, Jose wasn't going to be too unhappy because he was banking on if the chances come, we've got Son and Kane that are going to take them, mm. and it was keep it tight. There was a point of about 60 minutes where Spurs looked absolutely knackered. And you're looking for Arsenal to up the tempo. And instead, there was a point where Martinez has clearly been asked to play it short on the goal kicks. David Luiz looks the guy that it's being distributed to because if one thing he does have going for him, it's usually his passing. And I know the idea with Arteta is, and it's the same with Man City, you can see it, just they have a squad more capable of doing so, is you commit someone before you pass it and by the time you've then got to the halfway line you've taken three or four players out of the game and you can outnumber the opposition it seemed that half the defence didn't get that idea because they kept just passing it back to Martinez who was then trying to do his job and give it back to them and it was like on a loop and all that did was Spurs even would be a knacker were able to creep three four yards further forward and then that happens not only are the defenders unfathomably bad, we're discussing new contracts for them. And our pressingest fan base is actually saying it's the correct decision. I could, t- I could send you a tweet now. I saw where, the Fred with the Mustafi one yeah, and I, I couldn't week, believe what I was reading. He was saying Mustafi's uh, going to get a new deal. And the people are saying, so why are people complaining? He's earned it. Someone had put a spell on him over the last couple of games where he wasn't being standout bad. He still wasn't a good defender, but he had a bit of favour, I think, by taking studs to the face, which says a lot about him as a book. <laughs> but he wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. And it seems that spell was lifted yesterday and he was just back to himself. Because after 45 minutes, I was going to put, not in the in our like group chat, but in a separate group chat, 
Look, Mustafi, if I was to say who's making me feel most comfortable out of that back three, he would have been the one I would have pointed to at half time. Yeah. And then he makes one mistake. And it's like in The Simpsons where they go inside Homer Simpson's head and he's just got that monkey playing the Simpsons. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't. <laughs> it's not a position where you look at what he's trying to do and you're like, okay, he doesn't have the technical ability. I can get on a football field and not Premier League level, but to an extent, I, c- I know what I should be doing. The issue is my, my feet aren't going to do what I want them to do. I'm not looking at Mustafi or Louise or Kalasanach and saying, you look like I can see what you're trying to do here. It's like the ball is at their feet. They see someone coming towards them. And they just start mashing the buttons on the controller. And only one <laughs> button's going to press the pass. If you press the pass and the shoot together, they're going to do a fake shot. They're going to try a roulette. It doesn't know what he's trying to do. And I don't know what you can do about that. I didn't come out of the game yesterday looking at the Spurs bench and feel envious. No. I'm sure Spurs fans would say the same, but I, I don't know. I felt more comfortable looking at what Arsenal did yesterday for the future and saying... I feel a lot more content here than I would if I was a Spurs fan. But the issue is, at this time, it's all well and good seeing what they're trying to do, but he doesn't have the cogs to do it. And without Europa League football, which we're going to get onto City, is even harder now, considering the position we're in. And then you look at Wolves and Sheffield that seemingly sorted themselves out. And then Chelsea, United, don't look like they're going to drop enough points to be that bad. You suddenly your targets go from this 7 out of 10 player to this 5 out of 10 player who averages a 5 out of 10. He doesn't drop below that 5, he doesn't go above that 5 to get us back to that point. And then you're another step behind and Chelsea get stronger, United get stronger, Spurs get stronger because I imagine Spurs are going to have to speculate to accumulate because that could go downhill horribly otherwise. Um we're just going to have to rely on the youngsters coming through because the system's there, but it's all well and good having the system if it, if you don't have the players. So I came out of it fuming because I don't only Arsenal could lose that game, but slightly reassured in the fact that if we can get rid of some of these dreadful players, then maybe there's something there. <laughs> the issue is they don't really like getting rid of some of these dreadful players. So there we go. Feel better for that? Not particularly, because <laughs> it's actually just brought it all back. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't, I don't see like, there's oh, like uh, the thing is with Arsenal, and like I'm, I'm not saying it's any different for Spurs, but you know, you're talking like you know, if you get rid of a few players, um, get rid of a few players and replace them, you know, you the way that you sort of talk in terms of the players that you need to get rid of, it's like almost gutting your squad from an amount point of view, like the amount of players that you have. I don't see where these replacements are coming from that are so good that they're going to make your team that much better. I mean, not not that much better, but to in a position to be able to at least compete with that top six. At the moment, we're not at that level. My thing is that at Spurs Spurs with getting rid of Poch, and I don't think any Spurs fan would, would disagree with this. It was a case of, we've got a good squad here, so we're going to roll the dice and it's going to be short-term. You hope to max it out. And in three years' time, we see where we are then. 
Yeah. And there's a clip. I don't know if you've seen the clip of the Spurs documentary, the All or Nothing one. Yeah. They have a short thing with Daniel Levy and he says, look, we've done what we think's right. Two, three years' time, we'll be able, we'll, we'll, be able, we'll look back and we'll know whether we did the right thing or not. Yeah. And so I, Arsenal and Spurs are in different trajectories in what they're trying to do. Arsenal are trying to compete with the top six as it stands and then get the European money and go from there. Whereas Spurs with Mourinho is very much a shoot for the stars. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I'd say is with regards to the way that our squads are looking at the moment. So with Arsenal, you've got a squad of where you haven't really got a spine at the moment at all, like a spine that you trust anyway. No. Uh, you're trying to build something. Whereas we've got a, there's a spine there, but it's a spine that's like on its last legs or is like a spine that needs to be removed and replaced with something else. I mean, it's, I don't there's I if you looked if you looked at the players that we've got individually and I don't mean any disrespect because I don't mean any disrespect to Arsenal but realistically if you looked at let's say the key sort of spine players that we've got Tottenham's are better individually we let's let's do this so if if you had if you had to keep say to build a Spurs keeper defender midfielder striker who who would they be moving forwards as in what, like, keep one from each position? Yeah, so say you're Daniel Levy and you say, these are the guys, and we, we did a version of this last week, but these are the guys we're going to build around moving forward. So these are the guys in the position, we're going to work to their strengths, we're going to have keeper, defender, midfielder, striker. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I obviously, I, I don't, for the moment, you you keep Loris, I mean... Yeah. In all honesty, there's no reason in offloading him. You might as well keep him. He'll do a job for a few more seasons. Uh, Defence, I want to, you know, Alderweire and Vertonghen are a proven partnership for me, but they're on, you know, they're coming towards the end now. I, the performance that Sanchez put in at the weekend yesterday, it filled me with a bit more confidence. Uh, I, I don't feel he's in a position of where you could trust him to be your you know, your main man in the defence, but he might go in that direction enough for me to run a shot at him. So I'd say Sanchez at the back. Um, in the midfield, again, tricky because you've got, obviously, the big investment in the Celso and Undembele. I would want to be in a position where I could turn around and say solidly, I really want to take a run at them. Instead, I'm looking at what we've got coming through the ranks that we've had that has been there for longer and sort of trying to decide on whether it's enough. Right now, I can't play, say a player like, I mean, Lucas Moore has got a good, you know, he's, he's he, uh, what I was trying to say earlier when we talked about Sun is Lucas Moura, pretty much to a certain extent, not, he didn't contribute as much, but he, he had a few really good moments just like Sun did yesterday. Um, he ran out of few, he ran out of fuel pretty quickly. Um, but I can't really say him because he's just not, he's just not that, he's not your main guy in the middle. So, that's why I'd struggle to pick at the moment is in the middle. Um, and then up top for the moment, I'd have to say Sun because I I want to keep Kane. Don't get me wrong. I I, I would want to keep him, but I genuinely think he's done. I think, I think he's done with Spurs now. And I think as long as you've got a player in your locker, like he, he doesn't want to be there. So he's not going to be, he's not going to be taking us to title winning moments at all. So you have to bite the bullet and let him go. I mean, when we back when we did the list of the players that you know, like Sean had Kane in the must keep, 
he would be in my must keep if I felt like that was an option. But I just don't think it is. I, I literally, I'm in the same ball camp as knowing when we knew Bale was pretty much going to Real Madrid. I think he is ready to move on, and his performances reflect that. So right now, if you were to give me a defined spine, it would have been Kane, um, and I would have hoped that it would have been the Celso and Dembele, and then probably Sanchez moving forward. But right now, at that, <coughs> you've got one who I'd maybe pick moving forward with two, which you're going to have to choose as your defined spine because you spent that much money on them you're not going to be able to offload them so you've got to give them a good run so La Celso and Ndombele and then you've got Kane up top who's going to go so instead at the moment you run with Sun instead so it's that's 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 what it is it's not we've got options but it's it's on a deteriorating trajectory until you replace them with something or La Celso and Ndombele pick up the pick up the pick up the sword um, yeah, but yeah, is that a fair, fair enough observation? Yeah, I'll kind of just whiz through. I mean, Leno would be keeper, obviously, even as good as Martinez has been recently. Tierney would be the guy at the back. I know he's a fullback, so doesn't traditionally be with the spine, but at this moment in time, he would be our best centre back as well, I think. So that works that way. Midfield would be Sabios, and the issue is there that he's only on loan. And the question I had here would be. Say Arsenal had an, a blank check here. At what value, what's the highest value that you would say for Arsenal that you would say is a good deal to pay for Ceballos? Oh. I reckon it's close to the Kovacic deal, like 40 mil. That's probably what I'd class as a decent deal for Ceballos. Yeah, we're never getting him for that either. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't go above thirty-five for him. Yeah, just. I think I, he's I, shown what he's shown he what he can, can do. do. He's just also shown what you know how much he can go missing. Uh, he he might have an entire season like he's played in the last few games, or he might not. It's it's a that's where you're at with it. It's it's a gamble. The thing like with him is he's well. our only guy that can. He he's he's not the he's only one enough defending, and he can go forward. No, no, absolutely not. It but is the I, problem. I was just asking: was Arsenal are supposedly going to look to try and get him? And I didn't know. What, I was trying to ask myself what I think would be. They should I go after you if they can get it done. They should, but I think you could get him. But I think you're looking at sixty as a minimum as to what Madrid are going to accept. Because yeah. they're going to point towards his under 21s performances, the fact he's Spanish, and the fact that he is our best midfielder, which is something they're going to point to and say, look, <laughs> you need him more than we need the cash. So, and striker Abamian, obviously. But yeah, that, that was my point in that the spy, as we said, isn't there. We've got a guy in the last year of his contract, a midfielder that's on loan, a defender that's a fullback, and keeper who is. Good enough. That's injured. Yeah, the stat that Kepper has faced over 30 more shots than uh, 30 less shots than Leno and conceded um, four more goals. By the way, is uh, yeah, that's that is a stat. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but is there anything else that Jack or TK want to say about the derby before we carry on? It was 
just basically, it looked like Tottenham were actively trying to not win, but just ended up winning. <laughs> like, I can understand the kind of process that Mourinho thought of, which was Arsenal play, they're going to play a high press here. Um, we're not going to get through the high press. What we'll do is we'll just boot the ball up top, play 4-4-2, have the wingers push up, have two strikers, have Kane working with Son. And that's where the chances came from. So as boring as it was, and like AJ says, it was a classic Jose shithouse. It wasn't. It was just bad. It was just mm. awful. I, like, I thought seen... it was closer to calling... You, you wouldn't call Solskjaer against PSG a masterclass. No. It was more of... When I say it was a Mourinho like, shithouse, I'm not saying it was one of his best. I'm saying it was a Mourinho shithouse with, shithouse with what, what he had to work with. I mean, like, you know, uh, a Mourinho Mourinho working, like, when, for example, a Mourinho shithouse, when you think of, like, a, a, you know, a prime Chelsea performance, you know, he's got different assets to work with there. I think what he tried to put in a performance, which was a def- with a defence which has been leaking goals all season, and a striker, a two- like a striker who's come back fairly toothless at the moment. I don't think I don't think it was necessarily a reflection on a poor tactic choice. I think it was just a reflection on him going with a tactic which ultimately won in the game with the assets they had to utilize. So, if, so if you put Arsenal into a computer and you put Jose into a computer. The result would have been what came out of the system yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know that it. It's, I, I take a lot of pride in Jose Chetel's performance from him being at Chelsea because the one. Don't we know the, it. The, yeah, the <laughs> one comes. Football purists and all, but <laughs> the one that comes to mind is obviously the Liverpool game where it was literally. they Every player was well drilled. They knew what they had to do. They were good at defending. They gave yeah. nothing up. Whereas yesterday, they gave a lot up. They hit the bar a couple of times on a few good chances. They actively looked like they weren't pressing. Like, they would not even press at the edge of their own area. So it wasn't like a well-drilled kind of, we're going to shithouse you to the point where we're going to be so much better at defending than you are at attacking. This is how we win the game. It was just that pass that kind of set up the first goal and then a corner. Like, they created nothing (laughs) other than that. It was just they were lucky. I don't even understand how they won. They shouldn't have won. It wasn't even a shithouse where you can appreciate the shithousery. It was just bad football. And they still I bet you it. couldn't believe your luck when that goal went in, Alex. Which one? The second. The second goal? Yeah. It was a well-worked corner. What was wrong with it? Oh, it was a well-worked corner. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. But at that stage of the game... I bet you weren't yeah. even thinking about winning. Yeah. No, no, no. I was thinking about... I well, definitely was thinking about winning. I knew that we'd potentially have a, a chance in it, but I was more nervous. I, put it on it. More, I was more nervous that... I was more nervous that Arsenal were going to score than we were going to get lucky with something yeah. or get to nick something back. Another if point... I'll admit that. Yeah, another point to be made. I reckon if there was Euros right now, if we were going to Euros, Harry Kane doesn't start if not go be in the squad I think he should be just as gutted with Greenwood coming through in that I think me and TK have whether it's been on the pod or whatever have always said that 
Kane at United just seems like a transfer that is going to happen. Whether it, it just him looking for them would seem like a United transfer. Yeah. Then plumping up the cash when I'm not sure a lot of people are going to pay the kind of cash Levy's going to want for him. And Greenwood coming through is probably the worst thing that could have happened to him, both in an England sense. And I don't think Greenwood's going to shift Kane out of the England squad, but it points towards a different way of England playing than it does with Kane, yeah. because Kane is very much the outlier in a line of England strikers, even if you include Vardy in that. So hmm. if we kind of go on then, because we don't just speak about the big boys here, kind of pod we are. Sean Deutsch, I mentioned in the kind of topic list I sent you, and he's there's been a lot of kind of think pieces on him recently, the fact that he has a winning record at Burnley, the job he's doing there. I think he's been linked with a move away several times. And do you think Burnley is the peak for him? Do you think he can achieve more? Or where, where do you think he should be looking to go? I mean, it's, it's like one of those match made in heaven. It's like David Moyes at Everton. Do you know what I mean? Where they achieved great stability and they just complemented each other perfectly. Whereas if he leaves and he's been part of the furniture at Burnley for so long now, like, as Moyes fan, when he went to another club or a bigger club, you can't play that way and it be accepted at a bigger club. I do guess it's... Oh, carry on, mate, you go. Do you think we've mentioned before Eddie Howe and we've said he was <laughs> yeah. linked away with a move for so long, he decided not to go that whether the approach was there or not. And now that has seemingly passed. There's no big club that say anyone in the top six loses their job now. Eddie Howe is not on that shortlist. Whereas no. there was a time when Wenger said, look, Eddie Howe wouldn't be the worst replacement for me. There was He was mentioned in regards to the Spurs job on several times, I can remember. Mm. And that's never mm. happening now. Yeah. I don't think Eddie Howe is even going to get a mention with the Everton job and that kind of thing. And so do you think Deutsch looks at that? He's been linked with West Ham in the last week or so. Where Would you call that achieving more? Because West Ham are deemed a bigger club. They are a bigger club than Burnley. But they'll be finishing nowhere near them. And so is a move like that to a bigger club a step up or is he Burnley the peak of that is, is complicated I feel that it's like Roy Hodgson it is pretty much like that all over where you manage the lower league teams well you do a good job but then you go to a big club and it's too big a job I don't think you'd have the right kind of character pull to manage it's a big mention team there because I think he could be a future England manager. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I, I can see it. If it wasn't for this kind of well, more complex style of play that we play in the Southgate than, than when we had Big Sam in charge for that one game. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he would have been a perfect successor for that Big Sam one-game reign. But we've kind of gone in a different direction. And I think the players that we have would be silly if we went back to a, like a kind of direct style of play. Yeah. Because you'd have to start Kane, and then if Kane's injured, you haven't got any big strikers. Southgate really. doesn't play particularly great football. It just so happens that we have some great players there. I don't think he sets us up in a system that has everyone flourishing to the point. No, I, I agree, but I still find it better to watch than what we've had yeah. recently, <laughs> yeah. which isn't exactly hard, I know. But 
No, I get what you're saying. It's it's an improvement on what we had before. Like I don't think I've seen England play worse than we did when it was under Hodgson. So you think Roy Hodgson is literally the character arc you want hey, to look Roy at. Roy Hodgson deserved more time. <laughs> oh God, get out! Of my sight. If I gave you if I gave you the league table then, in, in terms of if I just give you every team that's in the league now, what team hypothetically do you think? is the peak for which Deitch could look at and say, I could be there, realistically? I think Everton. Yeah, I don't think that's out- outrageous. I was I, the silence I, then, I thought, what have I said? <laughs> no, no, if, I, just, uh, I was conscious about me being if, the only one talking. I'd, I don't I think reckon... he needs to go somewhere of a structure, but I think that sort of level team, I think he could excel and make a break for maybe the top four, which is probably the peak of where they can head, unless they invest loads of money. I think he could improve a team like that. So, like The only team that I could really think of him at, other than this would be a team that he would then take backwards with his style of play. Like if Is his style if... of play that I, bad? I, I was going to say, just... I don't think it's that bad. I, I think... Or, Admittedly, uh, alluding to what Jack said, until you have a better quality of player, you're really not going to know how well your tactics work or how well this is actually your philosophy or you're just working with what you've got. Yeah. Um, I think with a top, top team, potentially he might struggle, but I don't, I don't think his football's that bad. Admittedly, the last couple of games, the Liverpool game, for example, probably was a case in point for a hold back and then hit it long. But, you know, it did get him a point, didn't it, I guess? so. I don't think Burnley play any worse football than Everton. If we mention the two teams there, no, because Everton no, are an eyesore yeah. to watch, and it, this is probably the thing that's going to hold him back is he's not going to be the most uh, sort of sexy appointment for anyone, is he? But I, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, West I don't Ham think his teams are that welcome him, but do you think if the West Ham job opens up, should he be looking at that, or should he say, "Look, I'm happy where I am"? It's just such a circus at West Ham, isn't it? Is the problem? Yeah, yeah. He, he's I, kind of going somewhere where it's really regimented and well organised to to that. I think you should think about him at Wolves. I was going to say Wolves. I was just about to say under the if Santos left and say went to like another country or one of the top bigger teams, that leaves a void then because what do you do? But then like I said earlier, where he doesn't take over a team ahead of him and not take them backwards. I don't, I don't think that- they. I don't think they get markedly worse, but I don't think they get better on on that. I will acknowledge. Hmm. I, I don't think, think Chris suddenly, Wilder you know, will fall get into job and then Deutsch is the kind of manager they could look at. Yeah, yes, that's a good shout. I think whoever gets sat next in the traditional top six, Wilder is going to be on the list, certainly. He should be. I, I think he should be in for the biggest jobs. I think he's great. And then Deutsch, that and not just the type of teams, but that seems like the type of club that he could really take on. Just a team that has a bit more resources and you can see, because we can't even really see him build a squad at Burnley. You don't know how many of his kind of players and how much is deadline day, football manager, I've got 1.9 million to spend. Get the sliders on and what is the max I can get for 1.9 million? Because... They rely on free transfers, loans, and very rarely you see them plumping up the cash for someone unless they really are sold on them. I'm not sure Sheffield United are going to offer that the other either. 
Well, you look at the money they've spent. They've spent a fair amount of cash. Just bringing in someone like um, Sander Berger was quite big for them. And it at least shows that they do have some higher ambition, whereas Burnley it's seems true. to be, get us out of the relegation zone and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, that is kind of the extent of their ambition. The ball's it? probably gone on holiday. They're probably taking early holiday now and they're seeing just let us know next year. As soon as they get 40 points, they were off to the Maldives or something. <laughs> it's also the issue that managers like him have, and Eddie Howe had it at Bournemouth, where you can perform too well to set unreasonable expectations for yourself. Well, look, you're saying this about Wilder. It's the same thing, isn't it? You know, if they have a relegation fight next year, suddenly his stock falls, which is unfair. But don't, I, I think I've said to you before, don't forget that Owen Coyle was seen as the successor to Wenger at one point. <laughs> I mean, because he was doing brilliantly at Burnley, did right um, elsewhere at um, Bolton, didn't he, for a little bit. Um, and people were talking think- him up as the next guy. It helps with Wilder that it, it, you can see that his style of play is a lot more complex than perhaps a yes, Sean Dyche yes. one looks like. Exactly. or no matter how good Southampton are, you can see with his system, there's a bit more to this. Like it, It's the kind of thing that would be your higher learning in like a football college for what they're teaching, as opposed to, and for all of the intricacies that go into it, a Sean Dyche thing, which I've kind of gone back on what I said before, but Dyche what? very much of do everything right, and we'll take it from there. Well, I think his is better than just basic hit and hope football, but not as complex yeah. as Hasan Utel and Wilder. I think he's probably yeah, fall somewhere what in between. I'm just trying to say. It's probably, so, the, the thing with Wilder that kind of, I think, really shows how good he is, is he's had success everywhere he's gone. Normally, if a manager, you can normally look at somewhere and say, didn't quite work out here. Is literally last two or three jobs, he's got promoted everywhere he's gone. And obviously, Sheffield's the... Uh, the top one in terms of double back-to-back promotions and doing what they're doing now, but yeah, that's that's why he should be in for the big jobs. But I think I think Deitch could get a bigger job. It's just he does have to pick the right one. If it goes wrong, West Ham, for example, the stock can fall quite quickly. And yeah. they they don't put you out of your misery quickly at West Ham. They really do let things get as bad as they possibly can. <laughs> yeah, like, you 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 look at Bilic. You wouldn't have thought he'd be struggling for a job at at one point when he was at West Ham, and then they allowed it to get to a point where yeah, yeah. he's dropping down a division. No matter what you kind of say of West Brom, you wouldn't have thought he would have to drop down a division to get a job. No. Even though he did call it his dream, he said, "I've always wanted to manage West Brom." When he went to his <laughs> press conference, which That's was shameless. like Bobby Keane stuff. <laughs> it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? The way how how we're going to look at these teams because even next season, we're still going to talk about Everton as being a bigger Everton and West Ham being a bigger club than Sheffield and Burnley, no matter how the two teams finish. As you said, with it being a one season, it might take some concerted time and maybe a signing or two for that to change. Because I think me and Alex are particularly happy in Chelsea in previous years, United in previous years, for people to still talk about the traditional top six rather than going on the standings because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it could be a very different thing otherwise. <laughs> we, you never would have thought a few years ago that we'd be talking about top six. No, no, definitely not. No. So we'll see how things go, I suppose. 
Should we go on to Man City? Because that is kind of the biggest news of the day. So mm-hmm. Man City have successfully overturned their two-year ban from European club competitions. The Court of Arbitration for Sports, so CAS. And I'll say for this topic, they're really the ones we should be directing this at because UEFA did their bit in pulling them up. Mm. And then the issue is that Cass, I've never known them to stick with a decision other than Chelsea's ban. <laughs> the, the thing with that, they even reduced that. They reduced yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're shameless. They, they, they halved it. Which is what I don't understand with the City one, that why don't you just halve it? They still have it's to pay a fine. So I, I, I thought it was at Chelsea, it, I thought as a Chelsea fan, you would have understood the most, Jack. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying, that they've been found to be doing wrong because they still have to pay a fine of, like, what was it, 10 that's million? That's what's confused me. So, so if I read out what they've said, so UEFA issued the ban in February after Rolling City committed serious breaches of financial fair play between 2012 and 16. Uh, Cass announced the club were cleared of disguising equity funds as sponsorship contributions. And they said... City did fail to cooperate with UEFA authorities, but overturned the decision to ban them. They said the decision emphasised the alleged breaches reported by the Judiciary Chamber of the CSEB were either not established or time-barred. So essentially, cover it up for long enough for us to get there and say, well, this is too long ago for us to say it. Mm. I mean, someone sure you need a whole time. long-term relationship, and then you find out that two weeks into your relationship, you've been cheated on. They're essentially saying, well, "Everything's been fine since then," so I can't <laughs> wait to get angry about it now. Hmm. Look, we got something good going here. Why would you? Why would you get bad about this now? <laughs> why would you even do the investigation? Because the time period, you've always known it. So why, if yeah. that was always going to be the case, why and why would it take so long to come to this decision if you're always going to throw it out because of that? Exactly. Podcast, like I don't, I don't know much about them. I don't know if any of you do, as to why they hold. I know they're technically <laughs> independent, but why are they given the position to do it? Why, why so, would it not be go to know, FIFA? Say. So you know, for example, um, like in America or even in here, you kind of go through the county courts. Yeah. Um, and if and then you can kind of appeal that to the high court. Um, but like in America, you can go to the Supreme Court. It's just a higher ruling body over larger sport issues. I think they're given the guidelines of which people have to comply. Like UEFA will give them the guidelines that they set out and then they will make a decision on whether they broke those rules or not. It's so irritating, um, isn't it? It's, it's like the three, four times a year that you see a headline saying that Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, have been sentenced to six years in prison. And then you read down the, the <laughs> article and it says, uh, after appeal, it's actually been reduced to paying off and, and this and that. So UEFA must be fuming because no one is taking them seriously after this. No, this is it. I mean, they've said that it's essentially to stop the smaller clubs from going bankrupt and overspending. But really what it is, is it just means that no new bloods can come into a team like do an Abramovich or do a Sheikh Mansour and just inject tons of money. It's ring, it's ring fencing theory. the top clubs. Well, didn't, yeah, didn't, they suspend, didn't they suspend financial fair play for next year or this window? Yeah, well, they said it was going to be more lenient. I saw a conspiracy theory today that said, what if financial fair play the whole time was just to put off the other club spending 
while a select few were able to continue and build things up to the point that they were then unattainable. Well, it's true. That is what's happened because you've got Barcelona playing fees of like £160 million for Casino. You've got PSG paying like £200 million for Neymar. Like You've got these teams that can spend this money. And then... TK like, spoke about the Barca-UV deal last week where... As, to, as soon as you put your glasses on and rather than just read the headline, it was made pretty clear what was going on in the deal. But we kind of just acknowledged it as being part of football, essentially. It's kind of the landscape, isn't it? Kind of yeah. like politicians lying. We just we know it's wrong, but we just kind of go along with it. Yeah, they added saying that um, they cleared City of more serious charges surrounding dishonest concealment. So, yeah, they hid it, but not in a dishonest way, which makes no <laughs> sense. They said it was not appropriate to impose a ban on participating in UEFA's club competition, uh, on club competitions for the lesser charge of obstructing them, but not dishonest concealment. Right. I have right. It's basically the same thing. It just makes no sense, does it? It's like murder manslaughter. The person is still dead. But it's just a nicer way of putting it, although it sounds worse. All this means now is that there's going to be massive spending because no one's going to be able to regulate it because yeah. they know they'll just get off with it. Yeah, Chelsea so, took the baton early. They, they thought, <laughs> right, yeah. we've seen what's happening here. We're getting stuck into this early. I think, I mean, that's pretty much what we've got to do. This transfer button, if we get top four, will probably be the best thing that ever happened to us because... It's changed the way we play, but also we've got this massive cash kitty from transfers gone by to spend. And then if this, if we don't have to kind of comply with FFP, then why not just spend double, go big? Yeah, I, and that's I what think you're going to see. About. Yeah, a lot of clubs are going to have to do the speculate to accumulate. And I said that if Arsenal were smart, because every news article tells you I've strapped for cash Arsenal are. And this loss, that loss. Every club is announcing losses because of COVID-19. But Arsenal's reserves should be there in the fact that they have a self-sustaining model. So if they were really serious, you do look at all of these clubs that are going to be struggling and say, hey, look, you, we see you're struggling there. We can actually help you out a bit if you want <laughs> to take such and such player off your hands. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to do. And United, I think, are going to be very active this summer because they've been given somewhat of a mantle now to say we do have something to build on so we don't want to let this slip and you're going to see a lot of clubs doing that and it's going to be a worse look I think because Chelsea have put a lot of pressure with the fans to look at the clubs and say well they're spending so why can't we be spending Hmm. and City after finishing second are probably going to be as ruthless as they could possibly be. Yeah. Their statement was more irritating than Cass's one. Did you see it saying, look, we're glad that we've been cleared. We always felt that we did nothing wrong, essentially. Yeah, it's kind of like justice has been done. It's kind of their yeah. statements. OJ walking out of uh, the courthouse. Yeah. <laughs> I said all along. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. But... It's, it's mad as well, because you would have probably had teams aiming for fifth this season, especially Leicester with the form that they're in. And now that fifth spot isn't a Champions League spot anymore either. So it's kind did, of like Did you see Lampard said about that? I wasn't sure how much I believed him, but 
it, it made sense where he said, look, I, I was never competing on the basis that fifth was going to be a Champions League place anyway. Well, there must have been a time where he was like, well, actually, this looks a bit more appealing as it stands. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, you're not going to compete hoping to finish fifth, but no, it probably was a lot of teams saying... Oh, it's safety net, isn't I know. it? I was, I was sat there thinking... Before the Leicester game, I was thinking if we get fifth and obviously Man City aren't in the Champions League, then fine. We can kind of get on with this and that's not a problem. But as soon as it got announced, I was like, uh-oh, we're in trouble here. Well, I'm off work this week, so I woke up, looked at a chat and that was the first thing I saw. What for God's sake? <laughs> I say that like we were competing for, we were competing for Europa League space. <laughs> that's, that's how we're gonna have to win the FA Cup now, which I've said like it's a piece of cake. While playing <laughs> City, we'll have to go and win it. <laughs> it's 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 so tough. I'm I didn't have the transfer gossip today because I mean we still got a couple of bits to get into, but it, it really is. It's open things up. UEFA can't appeal it. I assume they can't they kind of make their stance. No, I don't think they will either. If they can. But it just undermines the whole thing, doesn't it? Like, if, yeah, no they, one's going to abide it. Yeah, if they appeal it themselves, if UEFA appeal it, then it's the ban upheld, would you say? Until you need them lawyers to... from um, making a murderer, where every time they thought it was going well, then there would be an appeal. Yeah. <laughs> they would just keep going around in a circle. Yeah, what's her name? Catherine Zellner. That's <laughs> it. Get her in there for, in, on UEFA's behalf. Stephen Avery, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Epilogue from prison. <laughs> I think that kind of does what I had done on a football stance. I do have a bit of UFC to get into with TK. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Actually, I know I usually ask you, uh, Jack and Alex, this week when we do movie mad, let's always squeeze uh, the squeeze the plug in. That's not a great way. So. <laughs> But this week we were doing wedding crashes against Dirty Grandpa. Any favourite there? No, I didn't. I didn't. Wait, not a massive fan of either of them. Wow. What was the... I know was the wedding two? crashes and Dirty Grandpa? Oh, both great films. Um, I would probably have to go with ooh, wedding crashes though. Good answer. Give man. Not that I'm biased. <laughs> I'd probably have to go with wedding crashes because. That's the one I preferred out of the two. The man Vince Vaughan. Can't believe you said you weren't a fan of either of them. I know. Go back, and, go back and watch Wedding Crashes this week before um, the pod's right. released on Friday. It'll charm you. All right. All right. I'll do it. Vince Vaughan said you're motorboating son of a bitch. That'll be <laughs> enough. <laughs> Class. But AJ Harper, if uh, we bid goodbye to you both and then we'll get into the UFC pleasure as always yep cracking lads thank you very much see you boys later cheers hopefully cheers, we'll be positive next week wait hold on I forgot oh, uh, oh, I was going to say to you um, are you just continuing straight on after this yeah I did actually have one thing to say to you actually I, I said after the game yesterday quite immaturely I'll acknowledge um <laughs> Congratulations, you must be really happy uh, celebrating eighth place or whatever. I absolutely would have been doing the actually far worse if Arsenal had got the W. So 
I will put that on the record. That's honest. Well, you stopped me from you stopped me from being nasty there because I'll, yeah. I'll hang up. But I'll respect I'll, I'll respect that. <laughs> to be honest, but to be in all honesty, neither of us are in great positions at the moment, so it's it's hardly uh, anything that much to shout about. No. But all right. Cheers. Anyway. Adios. All right. Ciao. Harper actually went before, so <laughs> he was getting out of there ASAP. On to the UFC then. I thought, what we'll do, I mean, we're not going to be breaking down technically each fight, but if we just kind of look at the winners and losers and say where we think they go from here. Yeah. So I thought if we start with right at the top of the card, Kamara Usman, do you think Gilbert Burns gets it next, much like they did with um, Piotr Jan, where... Aldo was booked to face Cejudo. Cejudo drops out, and so they honour that Aldo was going to get the title shot and go from there. Yeah, I think they probably will, won't they? Um, which it's probably a bit of a come down for him, really, in terms of the hype yeah. I'm going to get. You're going to have to put it again on a bumper card like this was, because I was looking forward to that fight enough, but had that been not a standalone yeah. main event, but really, you know, you didn't have a card supporting it, I think you'd struggle to get eyes on it. Yeah, big time. Uh, from there, then. So, George Jorge was still not too sure. Masvidal. <laughs> he comes out with a lot of options in Leon Edwards. The fight's still there since um, backstage after the Darren Till fight. You've got yeah. Colby Covington, who the War of, Worlds is, War of Words is still there. It doesn't look like he's getting a rematch straight away. So, he's open and waiting for a fight. I'm not sure Masvidal's going to look at that after being in there with a wrestler like Usman and say, I fancy the Covington fight, regardless of what he says in public. But Or you've I... got the McGregor carrot still there. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I've said before, I think Masvidal McGregor is the biggest fight you can make just in terms of uh, the attraction of it. Um, I, I'd say, to be honest, I think he should run it back with Nate. Um, just from his point of view, it gets more eyes on you than anyone other than McGregor uh, who we don't know what's going what's gonna to happen with him um, you should in theory win it again probably in a less of a controversial fashion this time uh, you get hyped up again then you can you can have another shot at the belt or at Covington or, or whatever's there for you a few months down the line he said he's not he'll either fight right at the end of this year or start of next year by that point the landscape could be could be different or it could still be using them with the belt so that's what I would do I, I'm not sure like Leon Edwards there is a, at least a story there in terms of they had a scrap backstage in London but that is about it yeah there isn't much th- else to it and Leon Edwards think, is, a, is a bit of a nightmare really yeah I think if I'm a promoter the way I go about this is and if we take money out of this because you're going to have to fork up a lot for this you'd assume on one hand they've just given Masvidal a big contract so they're not going to give him a Cerrone style. Get yourself back in the win column and we'll go from there. No. I think you you go straight into the McGregor fight. Both want it. Masvidal, if he gets in there with Covington or Edwards, he's going to be the underdog probably in both of them. Yeah, yeah. And at that point when you lose two on the spin, not everyone's McGregor and you, you, your light doesn't still shine as bright. Not with his record you, either. No, you put the BMF belt up, you say, like both said when they were talking about Khabib and they were talking about 
Usman, you you say this is a real fight. We're going to go in there. And either of us are going to shoot for a takedown. Yeah, we're going to meet yeah. each other in the set of the octagon. You do the whole setup for that. You get the Rock back in there with McGregor. You get someone else big time in there in his corner. Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> I mean, these boys were Tierney, so if Tierney fancies bulking <laughs> up a bit, standing there with a rock, then maybe. <laughs> but that seems almost too obvious for it to happen. Yeah, like the way the the, the way the UFC yeah. works, and the way McGregor works, and there's always something a bit left field with him. Uh, it's it's just that Dana does constantly talk about McGregor getting back with Khabib. And so is yeah. he going to throw him in with Masvidal? You don't have to sell me on it. I, I think that's the, the best fight you can make in the whole of the UFC, let alone this division. I just think, I, I don't know if the stars will align for that one just yet. I think, had Masvidal won it, I think you said, didn't you, that yeah. probably hoping he wins this. And absolutely, because the champ, champ, champ would have a certain ring to it. <laughs> um, and that's the best chance McGregor is ever going to get. I, obviously, I would have Masvidal as the favourite winning that because of the side, but He's certainly got more chance in a stand-up competition with uh, yeah. Masvidal than he does with Usman or, or Covington. If Covington ended up with the belt, I'd give McGregor little to no chance with them. I don't know if you agree. I'd rather see Nate and Connor run it back than Nate and Masvidal. Yeah, yeah. The Masvidal fight was so much more conclusive than yeah. the McGregor yeah. one. Agreed, and I don't. I'm saying if I was. Masvidal, that's what I would do in terms of setting up that fight. And I think it's yeah, an yeah, okay... Yeah. I think... I, I tend to agree with you. I think it would go the same sort of way. Um, whereas McGregor and Diaz, I think you could get them together a hundred times and people would watch it and they'd always have some different outcome to it because they're just... They're not see, really him last night and then deleted his tweet. And then deleted it, yeah, bitched out. But, uh, John Jones. Like John Jones says he likes deleting it just because he says, right, you've got five minutes to see this. And that I'll is actually quite a good feature it. of John Jones' account. I actually <laughs> quite like that. Um, whereas McGregor, you feel like he's had a couple too many whiskeys and then realize yeah. I probably shouldn't do that. McGregor Diaz 2, I think, is a great example. And the opposite. So when people were talking about Volkanovski Holloway, which um, I actually don't have on my list, so I don't know why I've done that, but... Um, <laughs> With with those two, that was like a close three-two. Whereas McGregor Diaz was pretty much a clear three-two in the way that you score it, but still hmm. close enough in that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I do think I watched it back. I remember that, which round was the one? There was one where it was a bit. I can make a case for Nate winning that. I think I, the fifth I, I thought was pretty clear, Connor. But then doesn't he end up on his back in like the last ten seconds or something hmm. like that? I can't remember. It might be the third one. I can't remember which it was, but I remember thinking at the time I, I thought McGregor had it, but it wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been. I think the argument was mad. the third could have been a ten-eight for Nate. Okay, got you. Yeah, yeah, he did look really out, didn't he, at one point? Who do you think, if you had to put money on it, Masvidal does end up in there with next? The, the fact that they mentioned Leon Edwards. Is maybe a. I would assume if Gilbert Burns gets the Usman fight, I don't know what's wrong with Covington and Covington and Edwards getting it on to see yeah. who goes next to the belt. Whether either of those would want that, I don't know. You would assume Edwards would, Covington maybe not so much. Um, 
and the fact that Masvidal distanced himself from a Covington fight as well, I would I would lean towards Leon Edwards or running it back with Nate in terms of what I think will happen. You've got a certainly not on the same scale as McGregor, but with Masvidal now, assuming he's got a bumper paycheck for this one, you are in a position where probably stepping back isn't going to appeal to him. No. I do think that he said he wants the Wonder Boy fight back, which is a winnable fight. Wonder Boy's been knocked out two but fights. But a risk, back. isn't it? I I think, and it could be Dana's like two of his least favorite people. People do still tune in to see Tyron Woodley fight. Yeah, and if Masvidal tags him like Gilbert Burns did, you think it's going to be a short night, but. That's an option that I don't expect them to go with, but I think it's a legitimate name that you can get a win against. So. During the Ultimate Nightmare, Woodley wins that, won't you? Yeah, big time. You've got a guy that you couldn't sell when he was champion, and you've just lost one of your probably top five biggest stars right now in Masvidal. Yeah. Not so lost. You've got, yeah. Piotr Jan, if, if we go on to him. So Dana, for some reason, refused to say Aljamain Sterling was going to be next up despite last pay-per-view saying that him against Corey Sandhagen was a title eliminator so that shows how he works yeah because he was very he, definitive when he said that I remember seeing him say so it shows how quickly he can flip-flop I think that was before Cody Garbrandt had knocked out yeah yeah and you still got Marlon Moraes in there as well who is a fun one and you've got Sugar Sean coming through. So that is a division. And I don't know why Aljo isn't being pushed because his personality is better than and probably more sellable than all of them other than Sugar Sean. So it really is strange. They're going to market Petter Yan with the whole he talks broken English, he doesn't do this, go out straight out of the Triple G handbook. Yeah. And let everyone else do the talking there. But Aljamain Sterling should be the next one up. But whether he is or not, you never really know with the UFC. No, and like you said, can feel very short change in the terms of he should be the yeah. next star, I think. And so he's got everything there. He's got the look. He's he went through Sanhagen in a round. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a great finish as well. So uh, he, he should be being built up more than he is. I'm surprised he's not. I think they might be missing yeah. a trickler. Um, for Jose Aldo, ever since I've seen it mentioned, I don't want anything else. Dominic Cruz being his next fight. Nice. Throwback to the WEC days. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I like your thinking. It's it's not loser leaves town, it's loser, please, please, please leave town. <laughs> please stop. Although Aldo did look very good. He, he did. He was just too. in there with a young savage. Yeah. Yeah, it was only really the last round where it really, really went pear-shaped, wasn't it? Because he was obviously knackered. Uh, in a similar fashion, I kind of have thought Garbrandt and Aldo run it. Wouldn't be, I wouldn't turn yeah, my nose up at that. Fun. Just in terms of Aldo, if, if he has you know three rounds like he did against Jan. Cody's... Garbrandt has been talking about a fight with Marlon Moraes, though, which confused me because I'm sure he was training with Mark Henry, who... Oh, I think is who Garbrandt's with now, but there seems to be no issues there. They've got Letizia in the studio for the United game. Just <laughs> if, if we say 
just to go through the rest of the main card, Volkanovski against Holloway. So as for who Volkanovski has next, you would think the winner of um, Zabit, if Zabit beats Yair, then I think they'll go with Zabit. Yeah. If Korean Zombie beats Brian Ortega, then I think they'll go with Korean Zombie. As for what Max Holloway does next, just looking down the list, what do you think? Do you think the winner of Dan Ige against Calvin Cater? He can bounce I think, back against Josh Emmett is there. I think that's what they'll... I was thinking that's what they'll run with, Cater and... Uh, is it Ige? Is it? I, I've never known you say Ige, yeah, Ige. Ige, yeah. I've, I've always thought that. Um, I think particularly if Cater wins, I think that's a, I think a sellable fight, him and Max. Yeah, big um, time. I, and you know, it's it's it could be a bounce back fight, or you if Cater wins, you've probably got a new star on your hands. So it's no lose from the UFC's point of view there. Dan, it's a shame, uh, really, that the rest Ige. of them are kind of tied up, tied up, really, aren't they? Josh Emmett is also coming off. I thought he was good. I I I didn't personally have Josh Emmett, Shane Burgos so as the fight of the year nomination, which is what they were saying afterwards. But that is a good enough fight to give Josh Emmett a look. If you're trying to have Holloway do the look, beat a contender, and then he's right in there amongst the beat Korean Zombie and Yair I mean, and that kind of thing. So. I think Emmett is the one that's probably, if you want Holloway to look good as well, I think he could yeah. showcase the full repertoire against him, couldn't he? Yeah, I could see that being quite uh, like systematic beatdown if you could get it in a main event slot. Yeah, yeah, I think it would probably show Holloway in his best light. So if you wanted if you wanted that, if you wanted Max bouncing back, I would say that's the best fight you can make. If you wanted a bit more of a yeah a shootout, Kato is probably the better show. Because I've really got no interest in seeing in there with Frankie Edgar again, Jeremy Stevens again, Aldo again, Arnold Allen's not there yet. Ryan Hall makes no sense for Holloway in particular. And he's <laughs> no. facing Ricardo Lamas next, I believe. So that Josh Emmett, or I think the Cater Ego winner is bang on. Yeah. I think we might get the depends how he wants to go back in there. I know it's not a fun cut for him, so I'd rather he takes some time off and comes back because he did look very good despite not getting the W. Yeah, very unlucky not to as well, according yeah. to most people. Rose number you and Jessica Andrade. This is a tough one because <laughs> that yeah. women's strawweight division, you can put Amanda Rebus in there as well, is essentially. We'll all fight each other, and whoever can get two, three wins together, they can have a title shot. People talking yeah. about Rose going straight into a title shot. She she doesn't want smoke with Whaley Zhang, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm not sure she does either. And and everybody wants Zhang, Joanna again, don't they? So yeah, I think you're having a tough time selling that. Joanna actually put on her Instagram this weekend hashtag uh, 33 and retired. She obviously wants some more money then. So, yeah, that'd be interesting. I thought for Jessica Andrade, as much as I like her, this isn't a fun fight for her, but Tatiana Suarez, if you're trying to build her as a star, who I think is the next one in that division to do so, ex-Olympian, ex-Olymp- um, 
recovered from cancer, undefeated record is perfect yeah. to do so. Jessica Andrade is the perfect one that is going to make her work late on, but she can also look very good against. Yeah, she could, she could be... I mean, it's a risk, isn't it? Because Andrade is Andrade, but if you've got the goods, then you'll be... Yeah. I think that's kind of been shown, hasn't it? Gatekeeper is a little bit harsh to, to regard her as I that, but it is a little bit... Andrade beats everyone in the division outside of the top three and in the top three I think she's competitive with each time I'd have her competitive yeah. with yeah. Joanna now she's going to be competitive with Rose every time so interesting there but then I have her beating the likes of Angela Hill Alexa Grasso Michelle Watson Carla Esparza that, that level so I'd already give Rebus half a chance yeah. against her though yeah, Rebus to me. She could be the next one, I think, in terms of the what they could build. I think with Rebus, the perfect one to put her in with, especially the fact she's just one, is Tisha Torres. Yeah, yeah. And she seems to be like, you know, with uh, the Bantamweights, they put you in with John Dodson every prospect just <laughs> yeah, to see how you yeah. can do. And it's like the litmus test. So Tisha Torres seems to be that one. She had one loss and then was written off entirely. Bounces straight back and then is in is in the picture again around that ten to fifteen ranking mark. So I think that's the right fight to make. Or if you want to feed someone to her, then Alexa Grasso is one who is technical, but maybe you can wear on her a bit. That'd be a fun fight, actually. I think she could sort of feast on a lot of the ones in those mid-rankings, couldn't she? Claudia Gadelli is there waiting to be taken as well. She yeah. looks subpar recently. She lost to Angela Hill and got the got the W, so... Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm, you know, just sort of drinking the Kool-Aid with Rebus, but you know, people like Esparza and Waterson, I'd fancy her against them as well. I yeah, think... I think it depends how, how quickly they want to push her, because... Yeah, exactly. In that division, there's a lot of women in there that on on any given night, they can put a performance in yeah, true. to screw you over and beat your kind of future star. Like Angela Hill usually doesn't threaten that too much, but Tisha Torres is one of them. Michelle Watson is one of them. Carla Esparza is up there. All of them, and even the, the lesser ones like... Uh, Randa Marcos is one who I always say I'll never bet on because on any given Sunday, as they say, she can grind a winner. So <laughs> yeah. I think Rebas put her in with someone like Torres next as a see how good you are and then go from there. And Paige Van Zandt, I don't know if you saw Dana's interview, they were like, she's speaking about testing free agency and he said, yeah, she, de- she definitely should. She should definitely <laughs> test free agency. <laughs> Uh, oh. he actually said shame. Um, damn shame he said you don't come in here all week talking about how you deserve to be paid more and then get smoked in the first round <laughs> that is they Brutal call it Dana. a Joe Silver special on Twitter where if you're going to test free agency don't come out and say it because they did this to and I always forget his name there was this guy who was the head of um, trying to make a union in mixed martial arts and he was going really pass around this, this uh, like these cars to sign between the fighters and he had one fight left 
and they sent him over to face this Dagestani prospect in Russia at the last fight on his deal and said, right, then go in there and beat him. And he got smoked. And then they asked Dana Ash, and he's well, I mean, he's on a losing streak now. So I think it's probably best he tests free agency. <laughs> oh, classic. And it's the special they do, they did it for a number of fighters where even if you've got two fights left, you speak out against them, you're going to get this guy no one's ever heard of and it's going to make his name off you. And you're going to get this one who's just a savage who's trying to keep busy. It makes no sense for him to fight you, but, you know, go in there. You're a one to eight underdog. <laughs> <laughs> and see how, it, see how it pans out. Yeah, that is fun. But, I mean, we can talk about the rest of the cards another day. we got a card coming up this Wednesday for all of the fact Danny gave probably hasn't earned the fight with Calvin Cater it's going to be nothing but a fun fight so we've got that to look forward to and then another card on Saturday but until then thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod you've had everything there you've had some hypotheticals for AJ UFC North London Derby a bit on Sean Deitch which you weren't expecting and a bit <laughs> more too so thanks again for listening tune into Movie Madness this Friday we'll be back good night <laughs>